This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie, folks. Let's see if we can do this again. Java, sorry about that. I actually hung up on you. Are you there? Are you there? Is this actually you? <laughs> it's, it's actually me. You know, I was, I, was, I was sending you a text message. When I went back, I punched the wrong. I mean, I'm not even anywhere near the control panel. I still managed to punch the wrong buttons. But anyway, it's all good. It's too hot to get upset about stuff, right? Now, that's the truth. That is the truth. Man, oh man, oh man! What's gonna ninety-seven today? Well, with the real feel, well over a hundred. So please, if you are out and about, if you're working in the garden, doing any kind of yard work, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated and take frequent breaks. Yeah, Yeah, plan on do it in the morning or late in the afternoon. And uh, loose closing. I mean, it's just it's tough. And uh, and I'm not trying to brag here, Java, because I've been in Mississippi almost all of my life. You know, born and raised in the Delta, but uh, I'm in northern England right now. It's supposed to get up to 59 today. Here in the middle of the afternoon, it's 58 right now, and it's supposed to get down to 52 tonight. That does sound like a, I don't know what you, I don't know what you're thinking, but that does sound like a brag. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've been in Mississippi almost all of my life, you know, summertime, it's not fun, but. One of the differences is when it gets up to 80 degrees here, 85 degrees, that doesn't sound like But they don't have air conditioning, and the windows are too small to open. So anyway, oh, man, we're going to be talking about gardening, though, in Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, the deep south. I'm not going to be talking about gardening in England. I do that over here. Matter of fact, I gave a talk to a, to a local uh, plant study group that's been studying plants for <laughs> well over a century now, give a talk to them the other night, and I managed to say tomato and oregano. But uh, before it was all over, I, I taught them how to, I taught them the difference between y'all and all y'all. They didn't understand that at all. So anyway, how you been, John? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fine, man. And like I said, just trying to beat the heat. Um, this is, I think, the third or fourth day in a row for a heat advisory. So I say it again, man. And then it's a 4th of July type of weekend. So everybody's going to be out and about <laughs> celebrating. Stay, stay hydrated and, and take those breaks. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and you know, and I'm not going to try to pull this old timer thing on you, Java. But I remember before air conditioning when we had the windows in a big old house. You know, we lived in a kind of turn of century old wood frame house up at the Delta, and the windows were tall. The ceilings were tall because you had to have where where hot air would rise. But the windows had lead weights in the window frames, and you could lower the windows from the top down so they would open at the top instead of the bottom and let hot air out. That was that was our version of air conditioning. Screen screens were a plus, but the windows would open. You could open them upward in the winter time to let cool air in, but you could lower them from the top to let hot air out in the summertime. Ain't that crazy? Yeah, I think I've only seen that a couple of times, but yeah, that's not you know we everybody has central air now, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
So anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening, folks. It's a live program, and uh, we got plenty of stuff to talk about with hot weather, with tomatoes dropping their flowers, and we can't find pepper plants to replant for fall. And there's just so many things. You know, mowing the grass, do you cut it closer, do you cut higher? How often do you need to water plants? What do we do about all these June bugs and aphids and stuff? There's plenty of stuff to talk about, both positive and reactive here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're trying to bring real-time stuff locally to local folks. So, uh, anyway, give us a call if, 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 if you want to. We're going to just, just talk about stuff. Uh, before we go any further, though, let's, let's talk with a uh, fellow calling from Jackson. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. I, I am insanely jealous of your temperatures. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at the same time, though, they don't have some of the – they don't have figs and – and the okra and sweet potatoes like we do. So it's a toss-off. Right, what what you got going on today? I got What's a question up? about geraniums. We bought a couple of really pretty red geraniums in the late fall, and um, I mean the late spring, and they had gorgeous big uh, flower heads on them. Uh, I put them into some bigger pots, transplanted them, loosened up the roots real good, and top-dressed them with uh, some Osmocode, and then I've been feeding them every two or three weeks with half-strength liquid uh, super bloom fertilizer. Um, yeah. I'm getting really, I'm getting a lot of flower stalks, but very tiny little flower heads, but the foliage is lush. Have I over-fertilized this thing? Yeah, no, what, I heard everything, but I was, I spilled some coffee, and I, while we're talking, I'm trying to sop it off, off of the white tablecloth, so I missed, I got everything except the type of plant. It's geraniums. Geraniums. Uh, you're talking about the ones that are kind of a thick leaf, kind of a funny socks, dirty sock smell to the leaf. Yeah. Yeah, but these are, these yeah, are yeah. big, bright heads. Yeah. You know. Here's the thing about those. Uh, those are actually, even though they're native to South Africa, uh, they're, they actually don't like hot, hot weather. Uh, you know, they bloom better in the spring and the fall. Uh, you know, they don't like freezes. They'll survive a mild freeze. And they'll survive over the summertime, but they bloom and grow best in cooler weather. So in the summertime, what we're trying to do is sort of get them through summer. If they got any flowers at all, that's a bonus. Uh, so to answer your question, yeah, you're over-fertilizing them, but without realizing the reason why is we don't want to push those plants. We want them to sort of sit down and just get through the summer, and then they'll perk back up in the fall like you wouldn't believe. I used to grow yeah, I used to grow those. I worked at a garden center. We grew those by the by the hundreds every year. And uh, every year, people brought them in the middle of summer. They're not blooming. And that's before the Internet. And I had to do some reading. And, and uh, anyway, that's what I found out. They do better in a cooler climate like California or uh, or Seattle or someplace like that. Not quite so hot. Uh, I will mention this, though. If you use Osmocote, you even at regular strength, you've just about over-fertilized them already because that stuff is, it lasts a long time, but it shuts down in hot weather. Osmocote doesn't work as well in hot weather. So the miracle Grow or Super Bloom, whatever you use, that's plenty. Uh, I just, you know, I'd stick with a half strength, and I'd actually skip it over over the summertime just to try to get them through. Okay, just try to keep, maintain these things, keep them alive until the weather cools down and hope for the best? Yeah, you know, you can prune them and they branch out. You can actually root the cuttings. Uh, let them dry out a few days. Don't just cut them off and stick them right in. Sort of let them heal up. They're almost like succulents. Uh, so, you know, if you'll just uh, let them heal off, you can cut them and make them bushier. And so, you know, that'll take some of the stress off of them, too. And make them prettier this fall. 
All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Belder. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Jim. Yeah, okay. Now, um, we've got a uh, we've got a, a, a fellow online, but before we get to him, let me mention this. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a group of school kids, fourth graders, in Madison, Mississippi. Uh, it was uh, Lisa Parento's fourth grade classrooms, uh, Bansdale Upper Elementary. Uh, and they were doing a research and found out that Mississippi doesn't have an official state's fruit. You know, we got an insect and a flower and wildflower and all of these kind of things, uh, reptile, fossil, mammal, whatever. We didn't have a state fruit. So they were researching how to go about doing that. And long story short, they settled on blueberries because it's a native plant. It's great for wildlife, good for pollinators, good for birds and other things that eat berries. It's also Mississippi's top horticultural fruit crop. You know, not, not pecans or, or watermelons or anything, but the top fruit crop. So they lobbied the, the government. And long story short, it was passed into law this past spring. And as of tomorrow, uh, Mississippi's, uh, uh, bill, House Bill number 1027 designated blueberries as a state fruit of Mississippi. So uh, I just thought that that was really, really cool. And I thought this would be a good time to interview one of my old friends, a guy named Don. Don, are you on the line? Yeah, Felder. How are you today? <laughs> fine, fine. This is Donald Van Deverken. He and Jeff, uh, his partner Jeff, own J&D Blueberry Farm and the the largest tea plantation in Mississippi, and I understand that I rescued you from mowing grass and all this heat. Well, we've been uh, cutting grass early in the morning and late in the evening. During the day, we've been working on other projects, but uh, yeah, yeah, isn't that something about those kids from Madison? Yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, just for cutting grass early in the morning, uh, a lot of people who aren't in the South to understand it's hard to cut grass in the morning because it's so wet for dew. The mower won't hardly cut it. So I don't yeah, know how you manage yeah. that. Well, we're, we're bush hogging, and we're in the blueberry field. So oh, yeah, as bu- long as, bush yeah. hogging. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, let me ask you, before before we talk about the blueberries, uh, I stopped by the Jackson Far- Jackson's Farmer's Market uh, a couple, three weeks ago for getting me a homemade fried peach pie. And you're sitting there with all your wares. You came to the Jackson Farmer's Market, which is kind of small compared to your usual stuff down in New Orleans. But uh, you were sitting there. You are sharing samples of your blueberry lemonade and, and giving away taste. And uh, long story short, um, I not only tasted your blueberry lemonade, but I ended up buying a blueberry pie, a whole one for my birthday, ended up taking home blueberry muffins, blueberry scones, blueberry I don't know if it's cake or whatever, but it's real sweet. Um, and I think I got, what, a dozen and a half or 15 of your your uh, blueberry lemon uh, fruit, frozen fruit pops. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, our blueberry popsicles, yeah. No, well, the reason why we were up in Jackson, that was the opening, well, not the opening day, but they were just kind of highlighting the Jackson Farmer's Market down at the uh, fairgrounds. So they invited a couple of uh, um, uh, genuine Mississippi vendors, which we are one, um, down there. Um, and I was uh, sitting next to a guy that uh, he was from uh, Starkville, and, and they bake uh, gluten-free cakes and stuff. So it was just him and me. Um, so we uh, we have a bakery as well, and so uh, we kind of inherited a bakery. And so we make everything blueberry, blueberry pies, blueberry cheesecakes, blueberry banana bread. 
In fact, uh, oh, that's what it was, banana bread. That's what it was, banana bread. But I got to tell you, every time I go to the farmer's market, you know, they have a little store there, and I would go to the freezer and get usually six or a dozen of those blueberry popsicles. But you have two different recipes. The ones I had before were real creamy, and they had a little yogurt in it. But some of these were a little bit crunchier and more satisfying for somebody just wanting some uh, something cold and sweet and good tasting of bacon, too. You got two different recipes? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Um, so the blueberry popsicles are made with uh, 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 vanilla yogurt, um, which you can find anywhere. And so normally we have uh, we have a lot of uh, kids, uh, high school kids that work for us. And so when we give them instructions, you know, we we do a, a taste test, and the kids determine that this is the creamiest or this is the, what they want. So last yeah, right. year we had another young girl, and this year we have a young man that's doing them. And so, uh, but you're right. We we try to be consistent with the the, <laughs> the formula. But the main ingredient is blueberries. It, you know, man, oh man, man. You know, it is so cool having blueberries. Somebody wrote to me on the Mississippi Facebook. Why blueberries? Why not watermelons? And I'm thinking, well, watermelon is a berry, but so is a tomato. So of course blueberries, you know, they're native and, and they're, they're they're just such a, a a good crop, but also they're fantastic yard plants. They look great in the yard with the flowers and the fall color and all like that. But as far as a crop, it's had a little bit of damage from the winter this past year. Yeah, Felder, the uh everyone assumes it was the freeze back in uh when we had that really, really cold time in uh in December. I can't even remember the date. It was really cold for four or five days. And then it got yeah. really warm, and so uh, every, everything bloomed early. Yeah, it, it bloomed yeah. early. March 19th, we had probably one of the largest crops or bloom sets I've ever seen. And then uh, March 20th, I had no crop. Um, that three-hour window, it got below like uh, 20 degrees, 21 degrees. And yeah. when they're in full bloom like that, that causes the most damage. If, if it would have froze uh, a little later, um it would have been okay, yeah, or, or, or yeah, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. Um, it oh, yeah. is a, um, it is a, you know, it's hey, it's part of farming. It's, it's like part of farming. Anybody who works with with pecans know they have one good crop every four years, one nothing crop every four years, and two okay crops. Are there any any varieties that seem to do better than others? Well, of course, we do, we, do, we do kind of two varieties here in south of Mississippi. Most of the blueberry region for Mississippi is, is around the Hattiesburg or uh, Poplarville uh, area, Waynesboro, uh, that area. Um, and, you know, we're kind of like in a little microclimate, so uh, the soil yeah. is really good here, et cetera. But the, we do a southern high bush, which is uh, kind of like the latest trend. For some of the farmers, uh, it blooms early uh, April, sometimes as early as March. And then the, the vast majority of the growers here do rabbit eye, which, uh, yeah. Um, and, and the thing that people don't realize is that, like all fruit crops, you need chill hours, and uh, we get an ample amount of chill hours here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, I'm sure you've talked about that on your show a lot. And it's. Uh, yeah. The, the, and, you know, the rabbit eye blueberry is a tough plant. I mean, it's as long as you care yeah. for it and mulch it and uh, just prune it uh, uh, appropriately, then pretty much anybody can grow it. I, I, for rabbit eye, I don't recommend putting them into pots, but um, uh, 
Uh, I think the biggest thing people don't do with their blueberry bushes, they don't trim them. And, um, I have such a hard time. I have such a hard time telling people. You know, you could actually prune yours probably with a bush hog if you if you raise it high enough. But I mean, you've got to prune them, or they get too big and you can't pick them. Plus, pruning them, you have more twigs, more bears the next year. But it's is a sort of a cutoff time for pruning blueberries. Maybe middle of July or something. July fourth. We we do everything by holidays uh, here. Um, <laughs> So Memorial Day and Labor Day all have a significance for us. So I always remember July 4th. Now, this year we pruned very early um, because of the freeze, so we can produce more growth, which gives us more berries. And yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of growth in it, and uh, we're, we're excited about it for next year. But you don't have it. You don't have any qualms at all about taking a perfectly mature blueberry bush that was loaded with berries. As soon as you get through picking it, just cut the top of it back. You don't have any, you know, you don't cut it above a certain bud. You just whack them back, right? Yeah. I, I Normally, I usually say uh, around uh, just below your chest of, uh, you know, right about there. And then on the, on the other thing I, we do on our bushes around the base of them, if there's any dead wood or uh, other things, we kind of cut all that out, and then we yeah. Uh, and, and then what we do is we throw it in the row, and then just bush hog over it and put the mulch back in the bush. <laughs> well, listen, I I know that you're busy, but uh, and I know that also that the uh, that that the legislation, the 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 house the fruit the house bill, they named three different species of blueberries, uh, carambosum, I think. Is that the high bush northern high bush blueberry? Yeah, it is, um, and but, I can't. But, but it doesn't matter, you know. And, you know. And, I, thank you, thank you. <laughs> blueberries are been proven more times for it's good for health. It's good for uh, obesity, uh, blood pressure, uh, you know, uh, arthritis, uh, brain memory. I mean, there's all kinds of studies, you know, and we could, you know, um, but it grows well here in our climate. Um, it's and native. It's native here. It was here before Europeans came in. Uh, native Americans were selecting them out by, by varieties and taking care of them long before Europeans came here. It's a great native plant, and it's pretty in the yard. It's one of the prettiest fall colors you can have. But so anyway, I just I, I thought it'd be good to celebrate tomorrow being the, the official day when the blueberries are is our, our state uh, fruit. I thought it'd be great to talk to one of the top blueberry growers in the South. So how how, how you and Jeff doing? Y'all doing okay? Yeah, we're doing great. I uh, just want to mention, I want to give kudos to those kids uh, for uh, for doing that. Um, we, as the growers, uh, pretty much didn't have anything to do with that. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, when we started 20-plus years ago, there was probably 80 growers um, now we're down to maybe uh, about 20 or 30 growers, um, commercial growers. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this will stimulate uh, more younger people to get into uh, horticulture or being a, a farmer. You don't need much land. I'm, I'm encouraging it. And if, uh, one thing I could say about our uh, remaining blueberry growers, anybody that wants to get started, be more than willing to help them and tell them what to do. Um, it is uh, people get excited at the farmers markets or other places when you have fresh fruits, and it uh, uh, it's it's, it's a challenge, but it's it's a rewarding. 
that it is. And, and it's delicious, too. By the way, uh, before I let you go, I might want to mention uh, the Master Gardens have been taking care of this herb garden at the doctor's uh, at, uh, office at the Ag Museum in Jackson. And this past spring, I planted one of your tea plants, uh, Camellia sinensis. Uh, and I'm surprised they have one already. Tea, y'all, y'all grow, I don't know how many, hundreds and hundreds of of tea plants. You make the, the most delicious type of teas from a plant that will grow in people's yards. So we got one of one that I got from you at the Ag Museum of Jackson. I want to thank you for that. Well, Zelda, I want to thank you because I was listening to your show several years ago in my greenhouse, and you some lady called in about a camellia bush, and you made a mention about camellia sinensis, which is tea, which is grown worldwide, and uh, that got my curiosity going and got us in the tea business. Um, it is a beautiful plant and it is a, it's a little, it's not like a typical, like a Camellia japonicas and others where they have a big bloom. It has a very small little bloom, like a one inch white bloom. It's a pretty little thing. Well, there's a pink one too. Yeah, there is. There is. I have all whites. Well, the, the one at the Ag Museum came from, from, from your hand. And I appreciate it. So anyway, you need to get well. It's too hot to mow out there. Y'all need to go find some 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 uh, blueberries. Well, we're actually more. digging a deer irrigation ditch right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, my friend, uh, you and Jeff uh, and all the folks you got working for you, I, I, my hats off to you, and congratulations on being on the leading edge of Mississippi's number one official state fruit, the blueberry. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you, Felder. Have a great day. All righty. Folks, that was uh, that was uh, Don Vandeverken. He and Jeff and the other folks at J J and D Blueberry Farm, also the largest producer of tea in Mississippi. Anyway, uh, I just I, I'm so happy about the blueberries. What are, you know, people want to know what's a fruit plant I can put in my yard. I say figs and blueberries, and there's lots of other stuff. But figs and blueberries start with those because they do well for us. So, uh, And I actually, uh, just before we go to our caller, let me mention this, Java. I didn't have room to have a whole bunch of blueberries in my little garden. I got a little cottage garden, and I really only had one place where I could grow them, and it was just big enough for one big hole. I dug a hole about four and a half feet across, added some peat moss, and I put four different varieties of blueberries around the edge of it and mulched it with some tree leaves, and so I've got one big bush that's actually four different varieties. So I have blueberries for almost six weeks. I'm, I'm missing this crop right now, but my granddaughter, Allie, is a blueberry lover. So my son's taking her over to harvest the rest of my blueberries. So anyway, I planted four different varieties in one big hole. And it is so pretty when it blooms. And the fruit is luscious, but most important, the gorgeous fall colors. Terrific landscape plant. And even if you don't like to eat blueberries, the birds do. So anyway, enough of that. Let's go back to doing what we're here for, and let's talk about gardening with folks who have garden stuff to talk about. We're going to start in Jackson with Hibbett. Good morning, Hibbett. How are you, sir? Hey, Felder. Great talking to you. Why? I've got a question about Louisiana iris, but why are you on blueberries? Can you plant them this time of the year? What's the best time of the year to plant them? You're talking about blueberries? Blueberries. Yeah, you you could plant a, a, a shrub or tree that's growing in a container can be set out anytime you can dig a good hole. And this is not a good time to dig a good hole unless you do it a little of time in the morning. But if, uh, if you go out, you know, if you get two or three different varieties, work up the dirt really well because you only have one shot at it. Uh, and I recommend adding real peat moss. 
not just bark or compost or manure, but real peat moss, because blueberries like that kind of acidic, woodsy soil. If you could do that, you could set up blueberries anytime. Just uh, make sure you don't skimp on the soil prep, which is hard to do this time of year. All right. Well, I'm going to do it. But the, the question I had for you is I've got some Louisiana iris that need to be moved. And can I do it this time of the year? And should I cut off the green part, part of it, cut it back? When, um, how, how should I go about doing that? Well, Louisiana iris, both irises are, are really forgiving. You can move irises and daylilies and cannas just about any time of the year. So, so you're lucky on that. They have that, that fleshy rhizome. Uh, what I would do is I would go in and work up the soil where you're going to move it to, and they kind of like it on the moist side. They don't like really hot, high, dry. But if you go in and work the soil up ahead of time, if you water them a day or two before you move them or a couple of days after good rain, they may not know they've been moved. And I would wait and see if the leaves flop over, then cut them. But if they stay standing upright, i just keep going with it. Good advice. Thanks, Elder. All right, appreciate it. Good to hear from you, sir. All righty, folks. Uh, let's stay in Jackson and talk with Hubert. Hubert, what's up today? Staying cool? Uh, no. Uh, my <laughs> cucumbers are making, but they are little round orange balls with the little cucumber bumps on them. They're not the long oh. green thing. What happened? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, cucumbers like a lot of plants, are affected by heat uh, and also by pollination. But, you know, if, if they're not developing at all, I would wonder if they got good pollination and the seeds aren't developing because if the seeds don't develop, the fruit won't develop, except in the seedless varieties, which is a kind of a weird botanical thing. Um, but I would say, you know, if, if, if they're good seeds and they made regular cucumbers earlier and now they're just having weird shape, I would blame it on the weather. Is that all I okay, can? Well, that, did they that, have regular cucumbers earlier? No, they didn't make cucumbers. This is what all they've made is that they're size of a peach or smaller, and they're did round you, and did, they're orange. Did, did you did you buy fresh seeds or save some seeds? Yes, I bought fresh seeds. Man, I'm stumped. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you can only blame, you know, uh, blaming on the weather is not just an educated guess. It's spot on with a lot of plants, but it I have to back up saying I would have to guess at this point. I'm just not the guessing type. Okay. So uh, other other than other than weather, I don't. But you know what? I bet they're perfectly edible. We'll see. Orange cucumbers. Okay. Round them. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, there there, there are some shape like that. Anyway, good luck. Uh, let us know. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, John. I didn't know. Don't know. Well, that comes. I don't know. That comes with it, and I and I say it all the time, fella. That that makes you a special guy, because some other oh, people would have would have made up a, a thing and sent them on a different path. <laughs> well, see, here's here's one of the difference between me and 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 I'm an amateur gardener. I garden for the love of it. I'm not trying to produce a crop and get yard of the month or anything like that. So you know, the word amateur means to love, like a like it's a hobby. And uh, so I'm not that great a gardener. I know a lot about horticulture, but I'm not that great a gardener. And I depend on the experiences of others. And uh, on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook, I've seen quite a few pictures of these doing that. Um, but I don't know what's causing it. So this this tells me I need to dig in, got to dig out my horticulture cap and do a little research. So anyway, I'll see if I can find out, not just for, for Hubert, 
but for me too. And I'll share what I learned. So, meanwhile, let's slide down the Gulf Coast where at least there's some breezes down there. Good morning, Susan. How are you doing from Ocean Springs? I'm doing great, Felder. Good morning to you. <laughs> Thank you. What's up? Well, I had just a, a lovely crop of about 20 sunflowers that I planted around the front of my house um, in early spring. And they were the mammoth seeds, and they came up, oh, my gosh, 10, 15 feet tall with these gorgeous um, flowers at the top. Well, they're pretty much spent, and they've bent over, and now the um, center of the flower, of course, has gone to seed. And my question is, can I take those seeds and replant them and get a second crop from this first batch of sunflowers? And if not, oh, I what have, I have to do to no, seed? No, absolutely you know, you absolutely can, but you need to wait until the seeds are, are mature. And I tell you a really stupid little weird trick. And I don't know where I pick up on this stuff, but when the backs of the heads, the, the side opposite of where the seeds are, when it turns from green to yellow, you know, to tan, then they're mature. Uh-huh. And that, that's a stupid oh, okay. thing. And also, also, you should be able to rub the flower parts off and sort of peel it back and see the seeds. But if the seeds are mature, you can plant with no problems whatsoever. Okay, so I don't need to let them dry out or anything like that, like they are in the pockets when you purchase them. No, you know, you you know, you can after the back of it turns from green to kind of yellow. That's about as mature as the seed head is going to be. The seeds might mature a little bit more. You might want to cut them off and hang them in a, a place, you know, kind of upside down, out of the out of the sun, maybe carport or something, and let them dry for a, a couple of weeks. But you can plant sunflowers up until the first week in August and still get sunflowers before fall, before frost. Okay, and what I've always done is dig a little trench with my shovel, you know, sprinkle them in there and then cover them up, and that seems to work pretty well. Well, someone said to me, well, take the whole head and plant it. And I thought, well, no, that didn't seem to me like a very good idea. <laughs> no, that's, that's like putting all your all your okra seeds in one hole. No, spread them out. There's, there's seeds yeah. in each one can go to its own plant. Okay, so, great. And yeah. one other one other observation that I had, I also have deer that come up, and so I've lost about half of what I planted to the deer, where they would just bite it off in you know mid stalk before it had a chance to bloom. And those yeah. stalks have then produced five or six little flowers. Huh. So if so if I the ones that fall over, if I cut them off below where they've fallen, will they re flower? They out? should. They should. Well, I'm going to see that, if they do. Okay. Well, good. Let me let, let me let me know how it goes. Let me how it goes. Okay. Thanks, Felder. You were very helpful. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, by the way, Java, uh, I just I just did a little googling. You know, a little quick googling, and I found all sorts of things about why are your cucumbers turning yellow. And round. So a lot of different factors can affect it, but the number one cause for them staying round and yellow is poor pollination. Not maybe not many pollinators. Maybe it's too hot. But um, uh, yellow and round cucumbers. All the experts in extension say probably due to poor pollination. I didn't guess that one at all. So there.
I learned something, and I hope that Hubert's still paying attention. Uh, also, it says that bees don't pollinate flowers when the temperatures get really, really hot, and they're really hot right now. So it could, you know, it could just be you've got bees, and they're saying, nope, we're sticking around in the shade till it cools off a little bit. So anyway, that's uh, not just an educated guess. That's what the Department of Agriculture and Extension Service says. So living and learning. Java, I don't mind doing this at all. Yeah, no, that's that, that's pretty cool. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my kids the other day about the bugs, and we got on the topic of pollinating, where if you were to, you know, get rid of all the bugs, then we wouldn't have as many pollinators. You don't have as many pollinators, you won't have as many flowers, and then it turned into, well, we need to not kill all the bugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we have a lot of trouble in July uh, and in early August with several vegetables that, if you think about them, they're not from here. You know, we have plants like okra that's native to Africa. The hotter, the drier, Malabar spinach, hotter it gets, the better these things grow. But uh, tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers, they're from higher elevation, cooler climates. And they shut down in the summertime. Uh, Some of the old-time growers uh, on the Mississippi Gardening Facebooks have shade cloth, and they'll put shade cloth over their, their tomatoes and their peppers and probably the cucumbers, too, that can cool as much as 5 or 10 degrees is more. So a lot of times, shade cloth will keep them producing. They get enough sunshine to produce, but, but it knocks some of the, the solar radiation off. So one thing I would suggest is uh, people who, who like tomatoes, who like peppers, um, think about fall gardening doesn't mean waiting till fall to garden. It means planting in the late summer for a fall harvest. You know, In the fall, we plant lettuce and carrots and beets and garlic and, and cabbage and collars and all that. But you can set out tomato plants and pepper plants this month. Uh, this is when they do it at the experiment station in Crystal Springs. In July, first part of August, you can set out plants then, and they grow sturdy and stocky in the heat of summer, but they produce so much more when it starts cooling off a little bit in the fall. You can set out pepper plants in the spring and set out the same variety uh, in, in July, and the ones in July will outproduce the ones you try to keep producing all summer. I've seen pepper plants with peppers from the top of them all the way to the ground in October from plants set out in mid to late July. The problem is it's getting hard to find those plants because the garden centers tend to stop selling. So think about rooting some suckers off your tomatoes, you know, just popping them off and rooting them in some moist potting soil, or see if you can find some small pepper plants or even start some seeds if you get right on it. And think about having a fall harvest of late summer planted vegetables. Mulch will help keep uh, the roots cool so you don't have to water quite as much. So we got some lines open. Um, Job, have we got any callers lined up? No, not yet. Um, Abram uh, is in the other room waiting on waiting on phone Abram. waiting on phone calls. Ab- Abram's in the other room. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, waiting boy, waiting on the boy, phone boy. calls. Now, Felder, with it being so so hot these past couple of days, I know this may sound like a layman question or an uneducated question, but is there any benefit of just I don't know, every once in a while sprinkling some water just on your plants and maybe not soaking them or trying to get anything wet, but just cooling them off. Is is there any benefit well, to that? Well, it, 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 yes, but it's not measurable. You know, the idea is that the, the plants can take the heat if they've got enough moisture in them. Uh, when you sprinkle plants, uh, as the water evaporates, it has a temporary cooling effect. Just sort of like if you splash water on your arms, you immediately feel cooler. As it evaporates, 
uh, it, it gives off heat and it cools you. So it does help a little bit on that, but you run the risk in this heat and humidity of keeping the plants foliage wet, of making it easier for fungal diseases, bacteria, leaf and, and fruit diseases. So it's better just to give the plants a really good slow soaking. A lot of people are saying they're having to water every day, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm gone for weeks and weeks at a time. And I've always told people that I don't really, you know, I, I, don't, I don't water stuff. I tell people my garden goes all summer without being watered. What I mean is I don't water it. If it gets some rain, that's great. But uh, this year I found uh, uh, down the street is uh, uh, three homeschool teenagers, young, young teenagers. And they're coming over every week or two to check on my plants and water for me. And they're doing some little lessons along those lines. But I guess I can still say I don't water all summer if I get teenagers to do it for me. But here's the deal. You want to water plants good and deep, not all the time. Put the water down deep. And that means watering two or three times a few minutes apart. Water them until water puddles or starts to run off. Let it soak in a little bit. Go back and hit them a second time. And that pushes that first water down really, really deep. And then let the soil surface dry out so roots will grow deep where it's cool and moist. So water really, really good, not quite so often. And if you use mulch on top of the ground, even in your potted plants, mulch will not only keep the soil cooler, uh, but it reduces evaporation. So mulch and occasional deep soakings are always better. And folks, those of you who have lawns, if you never water, your grass is going to go dormant. It's going to turn brown. It'll pick back up later, but the weeds don't even slow down. So if you water more than once a week, I'm talking to folks who have irrigation systems. I don't begrudge irrigation systems. Therefore, delivering water. But if you use it more than once a week, this goes against everything written by turf specialists across the South, from Texas to the Carolinas to Florida. They say one good soak in a week, max, because this it helps grass have a good root system. If you water all the time, you know, the very shallow root system that's subject to heat injury and drying out. So train your grass roots to go deep by watering two or three times and then shutting it off. And then the last thing about lawn care, uh, if you raise your mower in the heat of summer, that helps the grass cope with heat and drought better, believe it or not. So if you can raise your mower a little bit, and you're not going to have to mow as often this kind of heat that grass can cope better. So, anyway, let's slide down to Covington, down close to the coast, talk with Polly. Good morning, Polly. Hey, Felder, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. What's going on? My figs are not ripening. You know, it, it, this is, and I can't say something really weird, but first of all, figs are not fruits, they're flowers. A lot of people, you know, cut one open, look on the inside. It's an inside-out flower. And when a flower doesn't mature, it's usually because the plant is under stress. Uh, figs can take mm-hmm. heat and drought. But if we have a lot of really heavy rain and your figs have a real shallow root system, they can su- the, the above-ground parts can suffer from just plain old high temperatures. So, uh, all I can recommend, if, you, if we go a week or two without a good rain, Give it a good slow soaking, and then mulch the ground. You know, put some some leaves or something up under to keep the roots cool. Uh, I think that's okay. the key. But if they're not ripening, that's usually because the plant's under just a general stress. Okay, probably due to all the excessive heat we're having, maybe. 
Yeah, but you know, at the same time, figs, you know, they're they're from the Mediterranean. You know, they they grow, you know, uh, you know, where it's really really hot. But the key is, it's dry there. So when we have a lot of rains, our fig trees end up with real shallow roots, and that makes them yeah. suffer more when we have hot weather. So it's an oddball thing. Okay. So, All right. Well, good luck, him. All right. Thank you. Appreciate your call. We'd like to remind you that this is a rebroadcast on Saturdays at 10 o'clock, but also the podcast. You go to mpbonline.org, and you can, can download or listen to it live or download um, the, the, the podcast, which is um, uh, one of the, the top downloaded podcasts in, in, uh, in the state on that. So anyway, let's slide down to Summit. Avery, how you doing today? What's up? Well, uh, it's kind of hot down here, but... Uh... Oh, yeah. I've got a question about chestnut trees. Uh, is it possible to uh, grow chestnut trees, uh, particularly in the southern part of the state? Sure, sure we can. Chestnuts do quite well. They, you know, they, we used to have a problem with diseases because people plant too many, but chestnuts and also Chinese chestnuts, they produce well too, but uh, they, they grow fine. There's different varieties, and I can't remember which are the best varieties, but uh, chestnuts and the American chestnut and the Chinese chestnut, they do fine. They take a while, uh, but they do great. Yeah. Uh, any suggestion, uh, go on the Internet to find them, or is there any place here in Mississippi where I could pick them up? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, to, yes, you can find information online. I don't know of any place in Mississippi that sells chestnuts. So, not many places sell fruit trees this time of year. Um but I would start with going to uh, to the extension service, MSUcares dot whatever MSUcares dot com. Anyway, the extension service has got a list of fruit and nut varieties. You go to MSUcares uh, and in the search box, type in uh, chestnut or fruit varieties, and they'll take you to the publication that says all about each of those crops and the recommended varieties. And whether anybody sells them, or not, I I just don't know. They, they probably are, but I don't know. Yeah. Any special care for them, or just uh, normal? No, just treat, treat them like pecan trees or oak trees. You know, they like to be planted when they're small. They like to be cut back about waist high, so they start branching out uh, lower instead of way up high. And uh, just keep the lawnmower, the weed eater, off the trunk. But you know, probably better set these things out in the winter or the spring. But if you can get them, if you dig a wide hole and put a big thick ring of mulch around them to keep the roots cool. Uh, and then keep the lawnmower, the weeder off the trunk, and cut them back about waist high. They'll branch out and do a whole lot better. Okay, thanks. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, appreciate it, Avery. Good, good luck on it. And let's uh, before we start wrapping this program up, let's go up to Olive Branch, Oliver. Yeah. I have a fungus on my pine tree that's at the bottom. It's like a big mushroom. Oh boy, that's not good. It's one of those shelf things that sort of sticks out like a little shelf. Yes, it's like a shelf is orange. Yeah, there's uh there, there's several different fungi that 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 cause wood to decay. If you get a a wound in a tree, a cut, or a lawnmower, or lightning, or anything like that, if if you get wood decay fungus into a tree, the inside of a tree ain't pressure treated, and it can decay. And when the fungus progressed, it produces what we call a fruiting body. It could be a mushroom, a toadstool, a shelf. Uh, there's also a uh, a type of fungus that's called rust that makes kind of a wound on the on the trunk and it's covered this rust orangey rust colored stuff. Um, 
Yeah. Bottom line is, though, it doesn't always kill a tree. It just indicates the tree is having some trouble. And a tree can actually compartmentalize and, and live with this for a long time. And there's no treatment for it. So uh, I don't know what else. Oh. I, you know, without, a, without a picture, I can't tell you whether it's rust or some wood decay fungus. Uh, and I can't, I can't really say whether it's going to kill the tree or the tree can live a long time. Or, but I can say there's no treatment for it. So yeah. just watch, watch, I, it, watch I, the tree it, from a distance. Well, it's a fungus that it was on there last year as well. I knocked the thing off and put it in the trash. But I put it in a bag and put it in the trash. And so this year, another one came on. Yeah, but but see, you're just dealing with the symptom. It's sort of like a, a fungus, what, what a mushroom or a shelf type thing. That's sort of like a flower of a fungus. You can break the flower off, you can break the mushroom off, but you can't get rid of the fungus that's on the inside. It's going to keep going. There's no treatment of the fungus itself. So about all I can do is say, just enjoy it, keep breaking it off, or, or send a picture, or take it to your county extension. Let's find out what it is for sure, but I know there's not any kind of treatment for it. I, I know that. So anyway, Oliver, good luck on it, man. And all the rest of you folks, uh, you know, it's summertime, it's hot. Think about planting peppers and basils and stuff for fall. Think about fall to kind of cool off. The days are getting shorter. Meanwhile, take a kid to a farmer's market. Let them beat some real blueberry growers. Let them taste some fresh Mississippi-grown blueberries. Make a blueberry crumble or pie or cake or just put them over ice cream. But most important, teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.